Good morning. Another Sunday morning, another opportunity for you and I to share God's Word, to open it, to let it speak to our hearts. Uh, I trust God's been good to you this week. Uh, you have an opportunity to join with us this morning. Some of you may have already joined other services. I trust you've been blessed by those. Some of you may be joining services after this one. I know you'll be blessed by those as well. Uh, as we open, I know yesterday I posted a request uh, or a, uh, an opportunity, I guess I should say, for prayer requests. But we had a few of those that came across. We want to remember each one of those. Uh, also, you're watching this morning, those of you that are watching, feel free to post your prayer request, your praise report, your testimony, uh, whatever it is that God lays upon your heart today, because you're important in God's eyes. If you were not important, he would not have you in front of his word this morning, not his messenger, but his word. You see, you're important because God wants you to hear the truth from God's word. We hear a lot about truth today, don't we? It is a political season. Everyone is telling you the truth. Everyone is using the truth as they want to frame it, to proclaim and move ahead their agenda. But we don't have to worry about an agenda from God's Word because we have the truth as it is without any prejudice, without any agenda, without any sugarcoating, without any compromise. It is the truth that will guide you and I into a greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We're getting ready to open in prayer. I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 3. That's where we will be reading when we're finished with the opening prayer. Again, I want to thank you and let you know how much we appreciate you showing up, uh, you taking time out of your Sunday morning to, to listen, to listen to God's Word, to listen to myself proclaim it, to listen to this messenger, bring the Word that God has laid upon His heart to touch your life and to bring all of us into a closer relationship to Him through Jesus Christ. With all of that said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you've provided this morning. I thank you for the technology that you have blessed humanity with that allows the preaching of your word to go out in video and in audio across the world. As we say in our uh, broadcast through the Inspiring Word Media Ministry. And the Lord's message goes out around the corner and around the world, touching nations and nationalities that we will never have the opportunity to, to come into face-to-face -face, uh, relations and face-to-face -face communications with. God, we thank you for doors that you have opened. Lord, we thank you for lives that you have touched. There is a great deal of concern going through this nation today. There's a great deal of fear. There is a great deal of concern, a great deal of intimidation. Lord, we know that you're the hope of everything. 
Yesterday, Heavenly Father, there was a prayer meeting in Washington, D.C. And I want to thank you for the millions that tuned in and turned out. I don't know how many were there. Lord, I saw the video of it and I was amazed. I was amazed. And I ask, Lord, that you would answer those prayers and the prayers of all of us who joined from remote locations wherever we were. Heavenly Father, I pray for those watching this morning, those listening to the broadcast. Lord, I pray that you touch their hearts and their lives. I pray that those that are lost would have their hearts opened, their eyes opened to see Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd keep those, your saints, those believers that are there. I pray that you'd keep them safe and strong. I pray that you'd keep them encouraged. Heavenly Father, be with us throughout the preaching of your word. May, may you anoint it to your glory to accomplish what you have purposed it to do. For it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us again in prayer. and I hope you have your Bible this morning. If not, would you take an opportunity to go find one? Pull your Bible off the shelf. And you can see I've got several back here. Pull one off the shelf in your house. Open it up. Blow the dust off of it. Find Mark, the book of Mark. And we're going to be in chapter 3. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 20 this morning. You can write that down as you find, look for your Bible and have you have it opened. And in the process, when you do, just pick it up, open it up, and pick up right where we're at, okay? Mark chapter 3, beginning with verse 20. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. And he called them unto him, and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Because they said, he hath an unclean spirit. Now, this part, Jesus responded because they accused him of being a follower of the devil, of having being devil possessed and demon possessed. 
But there's much more that goes here. See, these are accusations that have been made against Jesus. Accusations that we find even today inside and outside of the church. And believe it or not, we do. We do find these today. As a matter of fact, if you watch the news and if you listen to it closely, and not just listen to what they say, but listen to what they don't say, you will hear these things repeated often. So you see, Jesus had the multitudes coming to him. He came, uh, he, he had them come together and th they were so thick and so heavy and, and some of the synoptic gospels uh, have us inside of what's believed to be Peter's house and the big house that Peter had and it was so full of people and they were all so busy ministering to these people that Jesus and his disciples did not even have time to eat. They didn't have time to take a meal. They were, they were not overwhelmed, but people wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. And, and remember from our previous messages, Jesus had already appointed his twelve, and he had given them the authority to heal and to cast out demons. So here was a multitude of sick people, a multitude of possessed people, a multitude of people who were just wanting to know more. And they were, they were there and they were all around. And then his family comes into the picture. And when his friends heard of it. Now, when we look at that word friends, and when we look at the synoptic gospels, we see that it was friends and family. Possibly even his own mother, Mary. And you see, Jesus was still young. He was a young man. And his popularity had spread all around the region. But here's where that popularity took him. You see, Jesus was popular with common people. Jesus wasn't popular with the Pharisees. Well, he wasn't popular with the Sanhedrin as a whole. Whether we're talking about Pharisees or Sadducees or Essenes or scribes or whomever it may be, anywhere under the umbrella of the Sanhedrin, Jesus was not popular with those people. Yet those people were the influential people in the communities. They were the religious leaders, if you will, of that day. And they were against Jesus. And Jesus wasn't hanging with them. Jesus wasn't building up them in their agenda. Jesus was going out into the community and he was hanging out with the people that were undesirable. Jesus was eating with sinners. Think about that. The religious people of the day who were put up on a pedestal as having known all of the law, and they were able to teach the law, and they were able to do things with it, and, and they had their own traditions, and those traditions had been taught and accepted for centuries. And here is Jesus saying, okay, 
But let me tell you what God the Father has to say. And these people who had been listed as, as outcasts and, and those whom God would have nothing to do with, Jesus was there and he was hanging with them. And he was healing them. And he was moving in their midst. But here comes his friends. Those who Jesus, who liked and who liked Jesus. And they came to lay hold on him. That word or that phrase, lay hold on him, is a Greek word that means the same thing as to arrest him. When they arrested Jesus later in the gospel for his crucifixion, the same Greek word was used there as was used here. The meaning and the, and the context was different, but it meant the same thing. They came to take hold of Jesus and to get him out. Why? Because he was beside himself. In other words, they believed that Jesus was so overwhelmed and so overcome that he had went mad. That he was in an emotional breakdown. And, and he needed somebody to come and get him and take him away and get him calmed down and get him to thinking and thinking correctly and, and, and being himself again. In other words, they weren't paying attention to what he was doing as God the Son and what he was doing in people's lives, the forgiveness of sin, the casting out of demons, the healing of the physical ailments and the infirmities and all of that, they meant nothing to them. What really bothered these folks was the reputation in the community. My, 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 think about that. They were worried about their reputation in the community. The Sanhedrin is going to link us to Jesus and we're going to have a bad reputation. We're not even going to be able to go to the synagogue. We're not going to be able to go to the temple. We're not going to be able to be involved in anything just because we know Jesus and we've been seen hanging with him. We're going to have a bad reputation. You see, I told you in the beginning that this message applied today. And it does. How many of us today are afraid to let it be known publicly where we stand with Jesus because we're worried about a reputation at work. Maybe we're worried about a reputation down at the down at the clubhouse. Maybe we're worried about a reputation on the golf course. Maybe we're worried about a reputation in the church house. And let's not let's not uh, pull uh, no punches here this morning, folks. There are just as many church meetings going on today that Jesus has no part in, has no place in. They don't want him around. And if you bring Jesus into that house, they're not going to accept you. That is a reality of religion today. It isn't a church house per se 
but it is a congregational meeting. It is an ecclesia, as the gospel says, a meeting, a gathering. And these gatherings, they can either be godly or they can be ungodly. They can be religious or they can be redeeming. We've got to figure out and come to the reality, which one do we belong in? Are we more concerned with religion than we are redemption? Are we trying to take Jesus out of the picture enough to, to, to make us reputable in the world? That's something we need to worry about because we can't be reputable in the world and be reputable in the throne of God at the same time because the world is at enmity against God. It doesn't matter how you cut it. It's not a political thing. It is a sin thing. You see, humanity is born into sin. We are born into a separation from God. True, from the time we're born up until an age of accountability, we are innocent of that. But once we understand, once the Holy Spirit moves in our heart, once we realize, yes, there is God, once we realize, yes, there is Jesus, once we realize there is a need for a Redeemer, once we realize amazing grace is for me as much as it is for anyone else, we understand that we have been born separated from God. And we are incurring God's wrath at the end of our life. That's why, that's why we need to be saved. We need to be saved from the wrath of God through the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. But you see, we can't have it both ways. If we're going to be saved from the wrath of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, then we are going to lose the respect of the world. If we're going to hang with the world, we're going to lose the redemption of Jesus Christ. Now, there's folks who claim to be straddlers of the fence, and they today they claim to be redeemed, and they're living in the world, and they think things are going good. No, they're not. You're miserable, and you know you're miserable. Because if you're truly born again, and you're living against God's will, your heart is broken because the Lord's heart is broken for you. Let's figure out where we're at. Let's take it seriously where we're at. Are we trying to lay hold of Jesus and get him out of the public's eye in our life? Or are we trying to lay hold of Jesus so we can hug up to him and let everybody know that we're hanging with him. That's a, that, that's a question we got to answer. But now I want you to go on. There's more here 
I told you that there there were attacks on Christ, attacks on Jesus, and they continue. And here they come from the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, and you see they had came down from Jerusalem. In other words, they had followed Jesus from Jerusalem into Capernaum, where he is right now, and they were there to harass him. They were there just to try to poke the bear, if you will. And what do they do? They take their religious knowledge and they try to convince people that he has a devil. They ask, how can Satan cast out Satan? They say that he has Beelzebub. Beelzebub. And the prince of the devils. And he cast out devils or demons. And then Jesus. Jesus gives us a beautiful example here. When we're attacked by religious people or by atheistic people. It doesn't matter. When we're attacked, do we get into a verbal confrontation or argument with them? Jesus didn't. Jesus gave us a perfect example to follow here. Jesus instead spoke to them in parables. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? He asks them a question. If I'm a devil, how can a devil cast out a devil? We're on the same side. Why would I want to throw another devil? Why would I want to throw a devil out if I am a devil? And any kingdom that's divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And he goes on and talks about a house divided against itself. And, and if Satan comes up against himself and he's divided, he can't stand against himself. He brings those examples out. And he puts the Pharisees and all of the Sanhedrin that are there, he puts them under a microscope with a question to answer. If I am who you say I am, how can I be divided against myself and still be able to stand? Because you see, we know the devil's not going to stand. And it's not because he's divided, as Jesus says. It's because Jesus was the strong man that went into his house and subdued him. You see, if the devil was divided against himself and if there was infighting in Satan's kingdom, God could leave them alone, never have to send Jesus, and they would self-destruct in a matter of time. But that wasn't the case. A strong man had to come into the house of Satan, and that strong man was Jesus. He came in and he bound Jesus, or he bound Satan. Jesus came in and bound Satan. And he didn't come in to spoil his goods per se, but he came in and took over his house for the glory of God. He came into the world that the devil was running, 
He came into the world that the devil felt like he had full control over. <coughs> he, excuse me. He came in. He came into the temple, into the house of God, into the presence of God's people, whom the devil had influenced, as we've just talked about. And he bound the devil in his own house. He came to save you and me. He came victorious for you and me. There's nothing any more exciting than that. Nothing more exciting than to know that Jesus came into this world. He bound up Satan. He resurrected from the dead. He sits at the right hand of God forever making intercession for his saints. And the day of grace is abounding upon us right now. But it will go away. You see, the day of grace will end when the church is raptured and the tribulation begins. Yes, there will be people saved during the tribulation. And, and there's, a, there's an entirely different approach to the way grace is going to present itself in that time. But for the day that we live in today, we've got amazing grace. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Amazing grace that can save you. Amazing grace that puts us in a place where we can stand up for Jesus. And that's what we need to be doing today. We need to be standing up for Jesus. And we need to be expecting others to stand up for Jesus too. We need to bring revival. America. And if you're waiting on Congress to bring revival, I'm afraid you're in the wrong group. If you're waiting on a president to bring revival, you're in the wrong group. If you're waiting for a governor to bring revival, you're waiting in the wrong group. Get out of that group. Get out of that mindset. Get out of that attitude. It is only Jesus that's going to bring revival. And it's only going to be through the church that revival comes. There will be people saved through revival. But it has to begin with the church. And I'm not talking about the church house with the steeple and the sign out front. I'm talking about the church being the body of Christ. I'm talking about the church being the saint of God that is saved by the blood of Christ. I'm talking about the church being you and being me. We've got to pray for and we have to ask for revival to begin inside of our own hearts, inside of our own lives, inside of our own families. We've got to be praying. 
We've got to be praising. We've got to be reading. We've got to be looking. We've got to be knocking. We've got to be persistent with God in what we want to see move across this nation because I've got this to say to you and I promise it this morning based on the word of God. If we will stand based upon this book and we will ask God to move in this country, there is no political party that will stop him. There is no president that will stop him. There is no Supreme Court that will stop him. There is no military that will stop him. If we are genuine and sincere and we want to see revival and we fall upon our face to God and we're sincere and we're genuine about it, there is nothing this side of eternity that will stop God from moving if we ask fervently and genuinely. Nothing will stop it. Nothing can stop it. Pray. Pray. What about those who reject? Jesus goes on with one last remark. All sins can be forgiven unto the sons of men and blasphemies, wherewith soever they shall blaspheme, but, but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness. You know, there's a debate about whether the unforgivable sin can even exist today or whether it was a sin for this day and time. And you know I've read both sides of that debate and they, there's some good points there to consider and I'm not really going to get into any of that. But I will say this regarding that passage. If you're not saved today and you know the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart, and you keep pushing, and you keep pushing, and your heart gets harder and harder and harder against God, the day will come when your heart will be so hardened it will not recognize the calling of the Holy Spirit. It will be calloused. If you've ever had a callous on your hand or on your feet, you know that it is numbing underneath it. That skin is so hard and the, the, the nerves are dead and you can't feel anything underneath it. That's what happens to your heart when you deny Christ. That is real. That is real. There are wicked people in the world today whose hearts are so calloused they can no longer Feel the presence of the Holy Spirit calling them to repent. It isn't what God has done to them. It's what they have done to themselves in violation and rejection of God the Holy Spirit. Friend, do you really want to do that? You may be thinking, I don't believe that. I don't believe it for one minute. There's some of you out there that say, well, that's not God. God is love and God is beauty 
And God is this, and God would never send anyone to hell. And you're right, he wouldn't, because we send ourselves to hell. By rejecting Jesus Christ through the moving of the Holy Spirit. Where are you when we unpack this passage? Are you are you trying to lay hold of Jesus because you think that he's too strong for the world today? We're so sophisticated that 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 that, that the Bible and the words of Jesus just don't fit. Have you been so challenged by the words of Jesus that you're saying that, well, if, if he is that evil and he is that wicked where he will do this and he will do that, then I don't know if I want any part of it. Are you calling him part of the family of Satan today? Because when, we, when I hear people say that if God is a God that will do this, then he is an evil God and he is a God of war and destruction and he is a God of this and that. You're falling in line with what these Pharisees said of Jesus. Are you part of that crowd? Are you part of the crowd that's hardening your heart? Or are you part of the crowd who's in the multitude around Jesus looking for him to move in your life to save your soul, to forgive your sin, to maybe heal what afflicts you, to remove those evil things that are in your life? Are you there looking for, are you in that crowd? Are you in that crowd of the people who are worshiping and basking in the presence of Jesus? That's where he wants you today. That's exactly where Jesus wants you. He doesn't want you with these others. He wants to call you out from among them. So now here we are with the final comment what will your response be? You, today, what will your response be to Jesus? Where does he stand in your life? And where do you stand in your relationship with God through him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity and the privilege you've given me today. Lord, we love you, and we love your word, and we love what you have to say to us. And Lord, I just pray that those out there today that don't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come to know you before it's eternally too late. Heavenly Father, I pray those that do, I pray for guidance in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would remove the misleading uh, feelings of politics and agendas and all of these other things that are out there. And I pray that we can see the cross of Christ today and only the cross of Christ. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that we would realize that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but it is through Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled. Lord, I pray for all of those that have watched and listened today. Lord, I pray that you'd move in their hearts and lives according to your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I trust the message has been a blessing to you. And until next Sunday, may God bless you is my prayer.